Hi, this is Roberta Fallon, and you're listening to Art Blog Radio. Today, I'm here at the Blue Jay Diner with Beth Heinley. Hi, Beth. Hi, Roberta. Thanks for meeting with us. Um, we just had a lovely lunch, and the Blue Jay, I should say, is in Brewery Town at the corner of 29th and Girard. You should check it out. So, today we're here to talk with Beth about hats. Literally and figuratively, Beth is, Beth is a great hat wearer, and she also wears multiple hats as a performer, a comics artist, and art blog advisor on the Ask Art Blog column. Now, before I begin, I want us to go a little bit into your live performance that you are doing in about two weeks at the Philly Museum of Art. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yes, they have a program um, called Vinyl Fridays where they, throughout the museum, there's a, a lot of performance and happenings going on. Um, and I am participating in the one this month, which will be March 29th. It starts at 5, runs till about 8.45 p.m., and uh, you do have to pay to get in, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of performers, so I just, I wanted to um, read this list of them so that um, yeah, you, you know what on. you're getting into. Anyway, so I, there's a DJ set by What's Up Gina, there's a DIY screen printing with Philadelphia Printworks, there's Musical Detours by Anna Crucis Women's Fire. Uh, Pop-up performances by Drum Like a Lady, original multidisciplinary gallery performance by artists Meg Foley, Marie Henson, Laura Newman, Vichipul Ra, sorry, oh, I'm definitely going to pronounce this last one wrong, Seika Afua Zankel. Okay, I'm definitely super white lady here. Okay, so, and then poetic performance and movement-based workshop by Caldera uh, Magazine, contributors Samia Abu Orf and Wit Lopez, who's a regular contributor to the art blog, and yeah. headlining music of Lad Ladima. Uh, so they're apparently they're the big deal of the night, and um, and then me, I'm performing. I'm the least deal of the night. Oh come on! <laughs> so what are you doing? I'm doing eight performances. Eight? Yes. The number the eight. That's yeah, a lot. you know, I actually don't really like the number eight. I'm a little bit nervous about it. I'd rather do seven performances, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing eight throughout the museum, and um, basically it was just through my, I did I did these OCGOPF style, which is a guerrilla performance festival I've organized in the past in public spaces, um, public parks in Philadelphia, and um, the point of them is doing performance as a spectacle through a duration of time. So you do multiple performances within a space, and you're and the performances are reactionary to that space. And um, partly about also the audience as well that regularly attends the space. Um, so, for instance, throughout the whole evening, I'll be wearing like really strong perfume because that is something I've learned people love to wear at art museums. And <laughs> the like, the rest of them, yeah, are a reaction to the artwork and the space itself. And um, it should be pretty fun. Wait, so it's uh, three hours long, almost yeah. four hours long. Yeah. Are you going to have spray perfume with you to like spray yourself in the museum? Are they going to let you do that? Um, you know, that's a good point. I don't know if you can bring spray perfume with you because it's like a liquid and that's like a thing. Like, you know, like, but they do, you are allowed to have like a bottle of water like in your bag with you. 
you're never allowed to have a bottle of water outside of your bag while you're in a gallery, um, which is, you know, chicken or egg thing right there, people. It's, it's a real conundrum. Anyway, so when can, you drink, when can I have this water that I'm allowed to have here in my bag? Anyway, um, I will have to ask. I haven't asked yet. Well, maybe you don't have spray perfume as the other thing. I literally don't even own it. I will pick it up at CVS, like, the day before the performance. Have you selected your uh, fragrance? No, that does not matter, especially if you're shopping at CVS for perfume. Just, you know, strong, odorous. Floral. I suggest floral. 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 Like a fruity. Chanel number no. 5 A lot of people like fruity. Fruity? Really? I don't want to... No, okay. I definitely don't want to do... I want to do more floral. I definitely don't want to do fruity. Well, we'll anyways, see. Yeah. We should turn out for that. Yes. Please do come to the Art Museum for Final Friday. Okay. Once more, March 29th, 5 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. p.m. It does cost to get into the museum, but there's a whole array of things you can do that night, including follow Beth around the museum. For her eight, not seven, but eight yes. performances. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Beth. You're welcome. So, but let's find out more today mm -hmm. about Asgard Blog. You've been doing that for a number of months now. Is it a year yet? I can't even remember. It's eight months. Not eight that I'm months. counting. But I did right before we did this interview. <laughs> so, um, you're sort of melding performance with writing in this role, and... A few minutes ago, before we started recording, you said that writing is performative. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that a little? Yes. Well, uh, I mean, I would say writing is performative in the sense like we were talking about uh, writing mobile on your mobile phone versus on a desktop. Um, and in that sort of way, we were discussing like, how you write shorthand when you're when you're more on a mobile device versus when you're on your desktop and you're in for the long game and you have like 500 tabs open. And so in that sort of sense, I was saying writing is performative in that way. Um, and it's, I mean, as performative as you think about writing as a style and all the authors and writers that you're calling from to um, create your text. So they're, in that sort of way, it's performative. There's also your voice whatever the voice is that you're writing in. And the art, art, Ask Art Blog voice has your voice and Dave Q's voice, we should say. Dave Q is the other Ask Art Blog advisor, and he wasn't able to be here today. So, and in a way, a voice can be either genuine, a little bit disingenuous, or a whole lot disingenuous in terms of what you're saying and how you're saying it via your writing. So I have read all of your columns because, you first of all, to. I have to, yes. And second of all, I really love them. <laughs> um, it seems like you are writing complete essays that pop out of your mind and not... You, you're always devoting yourself to the question at hand, but you have a lot to say about it that goes afield sometimes. So talk about answering a question. Just pick one, and you've had a couple about memes, and you had a really robust discussion that you responded with about digital this and that. 
Mm. So talk a little bit about that, your relationship with the questions. Um, well, I would say, first off, you're a really great editor because you uh, compliment me a lot. And I just want to thank you for that. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> in any case, um, so, okay, so I'm, we're talking about how I answer a question, how I'm writing. Well, it is, first off, you also just pointed out that I am not a professional writer because <laughs> I am just, like, sitting down to the page and going at it and just um, going through the prose that way. And then in, in that sort of way, then you revisit, like, how is this pulled together? Um, I also, I am, like, a... Um, uh, I, I probably should talk less in real life, and it's the same way as I'm writing, writing and answering a question. Like I just can't help this stream of thought. Like just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and in that sort of way, I just do stream of consciousness in that sort of way of writing to the point where we end up with an essay that needs to be edited and cut down a whole bunch. And so, I mean, in that sort of way. Does that answer your question? And then also we were talking about the memes question. Yeah, like, the memes. Like, I mean, those are questions that are coming at me. Right, yeah, and you don't script the, kids, the questions. We should yeah, say that yeah, right yeah. up front. Some advice columnists do. They write mm -hmm. their own questions, ghostwrite them, but you're actually dealing with real questions that come into the Ask Art blog mm -hmm. email. Yes, I am. Or you get them on Instagram or Twitter. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes someone will at me on Twitter, which I'm totally open for, and um, can ask me a question that way. Or a conversation starts up on an Instagram sort of thread to another um, question that was posed, and that's, an, yeah, another way that we get questions. But I would say with the memes, like, yeah, the kids love memes. So you're going to get the meme questions. So these are young people asking the questions about the memes. I shouldn't think. assume their age, but I'm going to go on a limb and say yes, that they are younger. Because, well, speaking of, like, my, like, who are we trying to get questions from, like, that sort of thing, like, I mean, honestly, I can't imagine a famous artist, like, writing me, like, who is not successful artist, like, and ask me for my advice on art, but, like, maybe people who are younger than me, or other struggling artists, or just Philadelphia, or local artists in general, who is living the same kind of art life that I'm living, and that's sort of my audience. I think it could be there are questions out there from people that are not even artists. You know, I... The art world is a little mysterious to people who are uh -huh. outside the art world. In fact, it's a lot mysterious to a lot of people, and they maybe have questions, but they don't ask them. I would love to get more questions from people outside of um, the art world REM, the REM realm, which would be yeah. like... Although, maybe it should be RAM. Um, no, just kidding. RAM, <laughs> so it's like a bowl. Um, there, there should, like, there are people outside of that. Um, it would, I would love to get more questions from, from outsiders. Yeah, like, what's your could you answer a question about what's your favorite gallery? I mean, that might be the type of question you would get from someone outside the art world. Or is it okay to like zines? Yeah, so, well, like... 
that would be, that's a good point. So a question like that, though, is kind of like a one-liner answer. Like, can I really do a whole entire essay on my favorite gallery? I mean, I guess so if I was, like, in second grade, but I'm not going <laughs> to do that on the art blog. But I do funny videos, so if you ask me a question like that, I can do a funny video for you and answer your question. Well, that might be a good answer. Yes. <laughs> funny videos are very captivating. And but the zines question, I could do an entire essay on BT dubs. I have not gotten any zine questions. All right. Bring them on, folks. Zine questions. Um, it seems to me that advice is a universal thing that people need and people need to give. And there's a lot of people that have given advice through the ages, and people receive it with various levels of, I rejected, or, okay, that's good. So, does advice expire? Is there anything you can think of that's going to become dated in the future? I know that's a very broad question. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, I definitely think, yes. That there, I mean, just in economic terms, there could be some sort of um, question I can answer today that would be completely different 10 years from now. Like, should um, I go to art school? For instance, that would be a great question that we were discussing. Should you go to art school versus when, you know, I went to art school when I was 10 years old in the 90s versus today, um, and we were discussing that today with the plethora of information on the internet and the... Um, illuminating Lori Loughlin scandal that, you know, college is a scam, well, art school is the biggest scam of all. And that's a very unpopular thing to say, considering most of my friends are art teachers. But um, it's it's definitely, I was saying, internet is a new art school. There's You can teach yourself through, there's a, all the information there for you. Why go in the debt to not make money after you graduate? So, in fact, some advice will expire because... Culture changes. Let's hope for a brighter, brighter future for art school and artists in general. That we we're all graduating art school and, and have these like great careers ahead of us. So that would be great. <laughs> Are you an optimist, that. Beth? <laughs> no, I'm not. That was hard for me. What I just did. Okay, so <clears throat> let's talk about unwanted advice. We can presuppose that a lot of people don't want advice. I know I, for one, give a lot of advice. My children tell me I give way too much advice. I'm trying to correct that habit. Um, have you ever been on the receiving end of unwanted advice from me or anyone else? I mean, being that I'm a failing artist and also a woman, yes, all the time. And I, and I don't appreciate it. Define what you mean by a failed artist, because that is not my perception of what you are and who you are and what you do. Well, I would say, um, I would say the majority of the artwork I make is is um, failed. But so there's that point. But the I would say, in a sense, because I am very poor and I don't make a living off of my artwork. Uh, is how I term, I'm terming it in that realm of success as a failed artist. So and economic also success. Economic success. Like, I'm not able to support myself through my artwork. Um, granted, I'm not um, actually really that ambitious on the business side of things anyway, so it's not like I'm upset about it. But um, in that sort of way, I would say, uh, 
you know, I'm not an art teacher. Uh, I clean houses for a living. Outside of, you know, doing an uh, art advice column, that's <laughs> column. And, um, yeah, so in that sort of way. Uh, although, I mean, in terms of creating work, I am not failed in any way. I'm, I'm creating art. I have a regular studio practice. I'm, I'm in it, like, every day. So in that sort of way, I consider myself successful. I don't have many art reviews, though, either. I need more glowing art reviews. So if you're listening to this right now, go to my website, bethheinley.com, and take a look and write a review about my art, a positive one. Or go to the art museum and or go to the follow art museum. you around for yeah. three hours and then write that up. Glowingly. Yes. Oh, yeah. No negative reviews. I have enough. I do have some of those, actually. Well, there was some wag in the art world who said it doesn't matter what the words are as long as you get column inches that's what counts in the art world yes andy warhol yes thank you andy warhol <laughs> um so beth yeah. what what okay, are you sorry. hoping to write about next for art blog is there a question that's come in yet um there, I have like a little bit of a backlog actually, um, and uh, there hasn't haven't been many questions coming in. I had one that I was was excited about it, but then I'm like, there's also the anonymity of people writing in. So sometimes you're like, is this like a real question? So I'm actually up in the air on like what the next column will be. But so far, the way the writing of the columns have gone, which is um, pretty exciting, is people. Um, reading past columns and, and wanting to expand upon um, the answer of a question. So I hope maybe we make a continuation of my last column, but we'll see. Sorry, I, I don't know. So your last column dealt with funding of the art world by major corporations that are tainted because they're big oil or big gas or... Big tear gas. Big tear gas. Yes. Big you're speaking about the Whitney Museum trustee mm -hmm. who was responsible for making, or his company makes tear gas that was used at the Mexican border, Mexican and I guess Texas border, mm -hmm. used against the immigrants who would like to come in. Okay, so an outgrowth of that would be very interesting. That column seemed to be full of thoughts about capitalism that run really deep in you. Mm -hmm. So, you're going to carry that forward? Well, uh, yes, I'm anti-capitalist, and I also am pro-environment. <laughs> and guess what? Those two things don't mix. So, in that sort of way, um, that's where the majority of my critique is coming from. Uh, but also, the questions that are coming in, like not only just on my side of the column, but also on Dave's side of the column, um, you know, that's... That noise is good old refrigeration right there. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, from the look of it, too, it's like from the 70s, that refrigerator. Okay, so um, I would say those are the questions we're getting in, and I think it's because artists um, are feeling more compelled to think about um, the politics within art making and what kind of um, contribution that they can can do in in this heated political times to um, make everyone's world and lives better. 
So, I mean, that's just a reactionary to the questions. And But when I'm answering, yes, I'm coming from this sort of a, a Marxist, anti-capitalist point of view, um, and I will strongly critique um, the corporate funders of nearly every art institution in this country, and artists in general, collectors, and it's just a, it's a very deep well, and I think that we should be critical of it as artists. You have, <clears throat> have a history of reading theory. You've told me about this in the past, and it comes up in some of your columns where you talk about, I can't remember the names, but the major French theorists and whatnot, mm -hmm. and Walter Benjamin, who mm -hmm. is also a major theorist that is read widely in art schools and whatnot. And you have a way of describing the theory in a way that is digestible, so that you're doing a public service to people like me who don't read theory, mm -hmm. have heard these names, maybe know some of the buzzwords, but don't really understand what they're all about. So I want to congratulate you on doing that mm -hmm. and saying, do you ever think of yourself as a theory-fueled individual? Because you've embraced, I mean, not that you believe it, but mm -hmm. you've read it all. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say I actually haven't read it all. I've just read um, paragraphs uh, or quotes at a time. So, I mean, honestly, that's the truth. Um, but I... I do think it's important to kind of like, it's what you're hearing is me digesting it myself and making it to be understood. And that's how it comes across on the blog. I'm, I'm totally taking everyone in the same rabbit hole of going through these essays on websites like Fluxus and what have you and trying to grasp and understand how these theories can add to your understanding of the workings of the art world and um, making art, you know, in general. and in a today's society sense-ness. See how smart I am? <laughs> <laughs> so does the writing you're doing now as the advisor on ArtBlog play into your other art realms, such as the comics? I don't see any bleed through between the writing and the comics necessarily, but how about the performance? Has, has it triggered you any- mean art REMS, Roberta? <laughs> yes, the REMS. Um, so you're, you're asking, like, how do, do these things all melt into each other? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, so it's like comic art, writing, right. performance art. The little the diagram with too. the three circles overlapping. Yeah, Venn diagram. Oh, no. oh every, everyone on the internet loves Venn okay. diagrams, by the way. You're super hip. Um, I, yeah, I actually do think they all feed into each other. Um, and uh, it's just that having a multimedia practice, being an artist today, is super commonplace because we're part of a multimedia world. Like even people who consider themselves not performance art artists, I think, are in denial about what it's like to um, navigate the Web 2.0 world that we live in and that everyone is performing today. And um, so in that sense, like, yeah, I think everything feeds into the next. Like I've always considered comic writing, writing, like when I'm doing like my comic art, like I've actually always been interested in writing and, and that's like a part of something I enjoy doing and the comics feed into that. I also consider writing performance artworks writing. Like I'm sometimes I'll do a performance piece where I put it into three acts, like a play, you know, so I'm always 
the, those threads are always happening throughout everything. Um, and uh, the sculpture, maybe like making a sculpture or doing, and like drawing is like painting. So yeah, it all feeds into each other. I don't separate it. Good answer. So on that note, mm -hmm. I think we should say thank you, Beth. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you for thank you for asking me to do Ask Our Blog because I also just want to put out there when you first asked me, I was like, why? <laughs> I remember that question yeah. coming up. But uh, you have you have opened up this like a whole other creative realm realm for myself, and I am very appreciative of that. And I, please write in and ask me a question. I would say you're a really good art advisor. Just to get a little payback here for what you just said and I'm thrilled the way you're writing the columns and if you have a question you people for Beth or for Dave Q email ask at theartblog.org or hit up Beth on her Twitter or on Instagram and ask a question or Dave too sure you can ask Dave on the on Twitter we just told we just blew up Dave's Twitter <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Okay, you've been listening to Art Blog Radio. This is Roberta Fallon and Beth Heinley signing off. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.